10 minutes, 10 days, 10 actions is brought to you by Two Summit Up. Expert sales tips and advice provided in a structured, bite-sized way for only £97. Learn how to improve your processes with 10-minute podcasts provided each day for 10 days, which you can listen to from the comfort of your own home, office or whilst out and about. For more information, visit twosummitup.co.uk forward slash 10 actions. You're listening to Go Fish, exclusively on the pod station. Welcome everyone to episode, oh, do you know I'm rubbish at this, episode <laughs> 19 of the Go Fish Marketing <laughs> Podcast, where each week we give you some tips and some pointers that will hopefully make the most of your marketing budget. My name is Mark Pollard, my business is Funky Vibes Marketing. With me, as always, are my fellow co-hosts. We have Elaine Atherton from To Sum It Up. Hi, Elaine. Hello, good to be here again in the sunshine and everything. All wonderful. It is, of course. We should we should prefix this with at the moment of recording. <laughs> we're all looking slightly grim and miserable because none of us can do it outside <laughs> in the glorious sunshine. But so this might be a shortly abridged version of a normal episode, just so we can get outside <laughs> and sunburn ourselves in in suitable time. Also joining us is our fellow co-host, uh, Mr. Chris Roxburgh from My Marketing Guy. Hello, Mr. Roxburgh. Hello, everybody. Yes, and another another lovely day, as you say, Mark. And uh, let's get this over with. <laughs> I, Ian, I will edit that. That's okay. No, GDPR has that effect on everyone. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I, I I insist you don't edit that out, Mister Oxburgh. That should stay in. I think that's comic humour, and we like comic humour. Now, uh, we we have quite frequently recently brought in guests onto the show uh, because it breaks up the monotony of our three voices and we try and bring people in who have an area of expertise in a slightly different field to us so we can get an insight into topics that still affect you but we can't perhaps advise as well on and I'm extremely pleased to say now he'll go all bashful and uh, he'll downplay himself but I have it on good authority that this this young man is is one Very of the kind. yes? Uh, it's 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 an audio thing, Ian. So you're all right. We can we can we can let that one go through. <laughs> That's okay then. <laughs> so we, we we have one of the leading lights in uh, GDPR and data protection, which. I know I can feel you all glazing over as indeed <laughs> I'm saying the very sentence. However, actually, if you listen on, you'll find this probably a very fascinating episode because there's an awful lot of facets to it which will very much impact your business both now and in the future. And if you get it right, will be massively to your advantage. And if you get it wrong, will be very detrimental. Uh, so without further ado, I'm introducing Ian Sinclair Ford from Data Guardsman. Hello, Ian. How are we doing? Hello, Mark. I'm fine. Thank you for inviting me on today. It's uh, very much appreciated. It's the first podcast I've ever done, so be gentle. <laughs> well, shall we be gentle, people? 
Nah. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Depends <laughs> right, how mischievous enough. we're feeling today. <laughs> oh, well, the Roman amphitheatre strikes a bell. <laughs> so before we go on, Ian, would you, would you mind just letting people know just a bit about what it is that you do in case my introduction and explanation was pretty rubbish, to say the least? I, I think your explanation was fine as far as I'm concerned, Mark. No, I'm, I'm a solicitor by training. Don't hold that against me. Qualified in Liverpool in 1984. I uh, worked in asset finance for 20 years. Then in 1998, also started working in GDPR, well, as it was a Data Protection Act 98. Since then, advised global corporations, be it with UK government, entities like that, and just thoroughly enjoy all things GDPR. But, you know, someone has to. So that's, that's really in a nutshell. Fantastic. Well, we're going to touch on that in much more detail in a little uh, little moment. First, of course, we're going to do a little news section. We've decided to narrow down the news sections because we don't want to bore you. We're not the BBC. So, <laughs> quite frankly, you can go elsewhere if you want your full news. But in particular for marketing news, at the moment of doing this, the shops have been opened by the government, courtesy of the COVID-19 reopening project. So, Main uh, non-essential retailers are allowed to open their doors. Obviously, social distancing rules still apply. Uh, we're still waiting on notifications about uh, bars and restaurants, which we hope will follow in the not-too-distant future in sort of the next few weeks. But it's yet to be confirmed. We've been saying all along, Elaine, haven't we, that during this lockdown period, it's a great time to get your marketing strategies in place. If you're those retailers... <laughs> That, that that time period <laughs> seems to have expired somewhat. I think so. I think so. I don't think the reassuring thing is a lot of people have been, haven't they? But equally, you know, I, I don't know, we're, we're not talking other news, but when you look at the whole things opening, they have got more things to contend with at the moment, haven't they? They've got their marketing strategy. Actually, they've got to figure out, I was listening to the radio in the car before, they've got to figure out, well, actually, if, we, if, if it was you know, somewhat, something in the hospitality You've got a whole host of other things to think about, haven't you, as well as your marketing. And actually, part of your marketing should be how safe you are and how people are going to be able to social distance within their establishment. So, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's definitely a moving thing, isn't it? But, yeah, hopefully people have listened and are, and are, are well on their journey to um, putting their, their plan in play, their plan into reality, shall we say. But, we shall see. I mean, it's great news, isn't it, Chris? That's definitely a positive step, but Elaine raises quite a good point that you might be juggling a few more balls that you're normally used to having to deal with, like having to put social distancing measures in place, well, enforcement yeah, the like. Without question, so. the, the, the planning, planning, planning that we were advocating over the last few weeks, that will have come to a grinding halt when, when, when they've realised that They've got to get all these plans in place. They've got to—I know it doesn't sound much—but they've got to—they've got to draw lines on the floor. They've got to put one-way systems into their shops. They, there's a there is a heck of a lot to think about. Extra staff on the door, letting people in, letting people out. You know, I, I don't know if you've been to a supermarket recently, but but it's a completely different experience to the one—the one pre-lockdown, where it was all a bit of a scrum and. Uh, Little old ladies pushing you out of the way to get to the uh, to get to the wine and all all that sort of uh, or, or toilet rolls as it was in that Steady case. Steady on. <laughs> he must have he must have seen you in the supermarkets, Elaine. <laughs> 
Yes. No, oh, no, yes, no offence meant to little old ladies. That was a sort of, <laughs> uh, that was a I've done it again sort of thing, wasn't it? Well, um, it's good you have your ends in this one. <laughs> <laughs> But there, but 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 it is it is a complete. I mean, the, the point of the point of the uh, situation is it, it, it's completely different experience to what it was before, and I suspect will remain so for quite some time. So yes, they've got to do their marketing. They've got to get people in there, but they've got a heck of a lot more to think about as well. I mean, it's yeah. a great time. It's a great time for people like us, really. If if, if they can outsource it to people like us, it's one mm. less thing on the plate, really. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's so true, isn't it? Because as you you know, the, the sales hat on, I always say to people, "Is what what is it that the people are going to say no about?" So, and that will be one of the things, won't it? Is if you were looking for somewhere to go for a meal, you know, in the near future, and you're thinking, "Well, what what one of my criteria would be? How safe am I going to be?" So that yeah. has to be part of you, you know, your message, doesn't it, for some people? Because otherwise, they think that that's not giving me confidence. I'm not going to. And Ian, I'm I'm desperate to get into the Irby Mill, but I want to be the only customer in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just mm. cough, Chris. That tends to clear things out pretty quickly. Uh, Ian, um, yeah. as a non-marketing person, I, it, it, you could probably give a good um, idea of what the customer experience is like. I mean, I don't know what your uh, trips and frequency of trips are to supermarkets and shops and the like at the minute. And if you have been, you'll probably appreciate just the sheer horror that is the process. And it's not the, the supermarket's fault, but it just feels abundantly weird. Yeah. As a customer experience, because that does form part part of the marketing mix that we often talk about, what sort of things would you as a customer be hoping to get either in terms of reassurance or experiences to, to perhaps lessen, dampen some of those those negative feelings you might have? <laughs> well, it's uh, I mean, in terms of the supermarket, one I go to is Tesco, and they've got that pretty much sorted out. When I first started going, the stress was horrific. You think, oh, my God, was that someone coughing behind me? Oh, my God, do I need to be by them? But now you go and they're all spaced out, everything's wiped, and so you know they let you in little batches. So you never feel the pressure of people around you now. And most people observe the distancing quite nicely. But when I occasionally go out onto the normal streets, all the people do seem to obey the, the distancing when they're queuing, not so much when they're walking. So they walk closer to you. I mean, you can hold on a second. You, you're kind of losing a bit of the, the message here. You're getting a bit close now. You're not wearing a mask. You know, so how's that going to translate going forward when I go into a shop? You know, um, am I really going to want to go into a small shop? And the answer is no. It, it just, it, it's just no. Uh, and as, as Chris was saying, he wants to go to the pub. I'd love to go to the pub. And it's not a case of spacing out the people. It's a case of, well, I'm drinking from a glass, which, let's be honest, hasn't been washed properly. We've all seen the streaks down the side of them. And thinking, am I really going to want to use that glass? Mm. And the answer again is, well, it's no. Yeah. You know, so it's how do I get over these barriers to think, well, I now feel safe enough. Is it going to be a case of, here's a plastic glass? Fine. Yeah, I'll drink out a plastic glass. That's great. You can go, go in the bin after I've finished. Therefore, I don't need to worry about that. But then it's not the same as, let's be honest, beer out of a plastic glass just is horrible. Bring, no. it, bring your own glasses. I mean, yes. that's a really good Might point. Be, yeah. it, it, yes. That's yeah. a really good point. I mean, they do say the vast majority of hangovers are actually caused by either the dirty glasses or the dirt within the, the pipes that, 
bring say the mm. beer through as opposed to yeah. the beer itself and and, well, and use that one in future yeah exactly i like that one <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not my fault love <laughs> it's i went glass. to the garden center this morning and um i i i think there is for a pint sort of almost <laughs> back to, uh, to ian's point there is it's association is it we now go to the supermarket knowing that we've got to you know we've got these lines we've got to space out we've got to do these things so we do that because we know we do that but in the garden mm. center because it's quite a a new experience that people are revisiting that it's almost like hello you're that close to me i'm yeah. looking at this plant why are you in my you know what even 12 inches 18 inch area it's like it's because yeah. people have done that for such a long time that they're now sort of going back to normality of well oh, just walk around here as i used to well no those you know we've, we've got still got those new rules so it's it's going to be quite interesting people are definitely going to have lapses of oh yeah i'm not supposed to be doing that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly mm, very much interesting so. so moving on to our topic then which is gdp <laughs> i couldn't think of any more smoother segue i'm afraid uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we have asked Dean to come on the show because uh, GDPR or data protection is something which actually does have quite a profound relevance to your marketing strategy and actually how you can carry it out, who you can contact, how you can contact them, etc. And so Ian's very kindly has very kindly agreed to come on the show just to help us um, identify some of those things. So um, I guess probably it's easier for me to pass over to you at this point, Ian, just to perhaps explain in, in simple terms what, what we say when we mean by GDPR. What does it mean? What's the point of it? Uh, well, what is the point of GDPR is one I'm often asked, Mark, and I've yet to come up with a reasonable answer for that one. <laughs> but I can tell you what it's about. It's just about your data, my data. So your personal information, your name, your address, your phone number, your work details, anything that's associated with you, it's all about you. So GDPR is to make sure that anything that's about or related to you as an individual, whether that's as a private individual or in your workplace, is, is gathered lawfully because personal data has the power to destroy lives. Now, if it gets into the wrong hands, you're, the identity thief will have your identity away, open credit cards, loans, all kinds in your name, and you won't have a clue what's going on. And that's what it's about. This is about organized crime. It's not a 14-year-old kid looking for a few bits of data in the Pentagon. It's organized crime looking to make vast amounts of money out of your data and my data. And they don't care if we get destroyed in the process. So these are about are, are measures in place to make sure organizations that are lawful collect our data properly we know what they're going to do with it. We know who they're sharing it with and why. And that's an important uh, issue to cover as well. Uh, and that they take steps to protect it. But the other side of those coins of you have, therefore, immense power when you have someone's personal data. You also have to put in place immense protections to protect that data. And that's why the fines for losing it are 20 million euros. But also the fines for collecting it and sharing it improperly are 20 million euros. It shows you that there's a balance there between the two. So all data is a risk to your business and you've got to really decide you want to take that risk and spend the money to contain that risk. Otherwise, I suggest you don't bother. And how would we say that, um, that GDPR and data fits into sort of the marketing environment? Why, do we, why, why would we either as marketeers or why would businesses for marketing purposes be collecting information? 
Well, that's it, because you can then target your marketing more precisely so that you actually get more bang for your buck. Interesting, I think, little story. I was doing a review for one uh, life science company, and I was speaking to the head of marketing, and he was just complaining that the ROI on his, his investment in his e-marketing was just dropping like a stone. And it wasn't really anything to do with GDPR, but I just parked that thought at the back of my head and I went around the sales team to see what they were doing. And to cut a long story short, what was happening was the people they were selling to were researchers and they would only be interested in one or two products. Now, this company had 120. So these poor researchers were being bombarded by e-marketing of 120 products, most of which they didn't care about. So they're just ignoring all the e-marketing. So what the sales account managers were doing they set up their own Excel spreadsheets to say, well, Mark wants to know about these two products. When I see an offer about that, I'll let him know. Or Jenny wants to know about these, I'll let her know. So the, 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 the direct measurement of the return on investment on the e-marketing for the, the guys heading up marketing was dropping like a stone, but the sales were holding up because the sales managers knew what they were doing. So when you explain that to the marketing manager, a case of, well, why don't you target your marketing so that you, you, you send the e-market to people who actually want it? You thought that was a very good idea. I thought, well, that's not new. You know, this is basic stuff. But, you know, it, it's not thinking it through. And it's something I often see the people at the head of an organization, organization don't actually know what's going on. And, and Chris, the, the, the GDPR changes when they came into force made a massive difference to the marketing landscape, didn't it? Uh, particularly if, if you were if you had a database that you're using for, say, email yeah. marketing and, 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 and yeah. even, I suppose, for sort of direct postal-type marketing. What, what sort of experiences did you have with clients when that well, sort of change happened? Immediately before GT, GDPR, I had one of my most successful posts on LinkedIn in terms of reach. I think it reached over 35,000 people which for me was uh, was pretty unusual at that time. And I just simply asked the question, but brief paragraph, it was text only, brief paragraph, and then finished off with, will GDPR spell the end of, of email marketing? Because we knew, and most people in marketing were aware, that, that this, these... Um, uh, these lists weren't being being compiled strictly by the opt-in book. And this was going to have to be now strictly by the opt-in book. There was no question about it. And I just uh, I just watched the the responses to that uh, to that post. You know the the arguments. Yes, it, yes, it is going to woe is woe is me. My my company's doomed. It's all GTPR's fault. That's not actually, but that wasn't the point. And then the other side of the, the coin saying, no, it'll be fine as long as we're stuck by the rules, we'll, uh, we'll be fine. My own experience was that my email list, which was about six or 7,000, fell to 2,500 uh, when <clears throat> they were the ones that, that, that actually, I sent an email out saying, look, GDPR is coming. Don't know if this if this was right or not. In uh, GDPR is coming. <laughs> Chris is um, suddenly looking really nervous. <laughs> yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> not, not really. Not really. Yeah, it's, if it's not right, <laughs> GDPR is coming. These are going to be the penalties. I don't want to be on the wrong side of this. Do you want to be? Do you want to be part of my gang or not? And 
the vast majority didn't. <laughs> so, um, so that was so that was a that was an issue for me. But I suspect it was an issue for a heck of a lot of other companies as well. Yeah. But you'll know better than I. And you, you were at the sharp end and hearing all these stories, I'm no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it had a lot of effect. Uh, a lot of businesses decided to just close up um, because the cost of fixing the database was more than the database and the business was worth. So they just closed oh, really? their doors. Uh, yeah, uh, a few took that decision because, but that was the thing, the, 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 the rules weren't new. They've been around since 1998, generally yes. speaking. There's a 1984 Act, but we can forget that one really. Uh, but the 1998 Act was really, for me, the one that started everything. So they weren't new rules. And PECA no. came in a few years later in 2003, I think was the first time it appeared. So these have been around for a long time. Mm. And the fact that everyone chose to ignore it was, it, well, it was also just a sign of the times, really, because the internet had really just started. Because in 1998, I think there are five websites in the entire world. That was about it. Well, Google didn't point, even exist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and people just hurtled headlong into it didn't know the rules, didn't know the where any, for, for the most part, they still don't, uh, and just hurtled on it. And you can understand that, you know, Wild West time, let's go and make some money. And then that just became the norm, and people didn't bother to apply the rules because, well, there didn't seem to be any point, really. Mm. No one was going to be enforced the law by the ICO. Nothing else was happening. So continue to make hay while the sun shone, and people did, and you can understand that. But now the consequences, A, are too grave, and B, people far more aware of the rights and far more ready to enforce them, really. That's what yeah. I've noticed in the last yeah. couple of years. People are people know far more. And some of the stories I've heard about what people are enforcing in terms of the rights just makes your hair curl. But it's quite right. It's their right to do that. So businesses that don't get on board and get this right will feel pain. Uh, those that get on board and do the right way will be the ones who thrive. The brain processes nearly 10,000 visual and oral cues per minute. As first impressions stick, make the customer see your business in the right way. Funky Vibes can ensure your vibes attract the right tribe with their marketing expertise, graphic design, bespoke websites and social media packages. For more information or a no-commitment initial consultation, simply email your tribe at funkyvibe.co.uk he makes a great point there about those businesses that ultimately had to close down at, at the time. Well, just just before it came into force, really, when 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 it was first announced as being likely to be brought in, I had a law firm, and because of the 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 sector I worked in, I knew of and had contacts with plenty of people. Those call centres who were constantly trying to sell me work, which actually was of no interest because I didn't do that type of work, but it didn't stop them ringing you up. A lot of those <laughs> were a lot of those were the ones who who did have to close down because their data was bad because of the way they got hold of it, and ironically, it was probably exactly the reason why these rules were brought into force in the first place. However, the flip side to that is a lot of businesses who were perhaps panicking slightly were have perhaps found themselves honing their marketing strategy to be like Ian says more specific with the data that they do have rather than uh-huh. so instead of quali- sorry instead of quantity it's quality that they're they're focusing yeah. on yeah no absolutely I mean I'm a big, big advocate of that it's it's um it's best to speak to 10 people who want what you've got than 100 who don't because you're going to wind the the 90 up that like, why on earth are you sending this to me 
Um, so I, I think, yeah, there's without doubt, it needed to happen. Um, it's sad that you know people's businesses folded be because of it, but equally, if you've, you know, if you've obtained these lists, you know, not the right way, or you just keep adding people to it, then that, you know, it, it's almost like changing it all did the job it was intended to do, wasn't it? Really, it was to clean these people up and the, the businesses up. So actually, making it right for for everybody. I will. I will say though that I, I do feel things are creeping back. I'm certainly getting added to lists that I haven't sort of signed up for. Oh, yeah. So it does. It does yeah. feel like there's a little bit of. Hmm, I don't know whether anybody's really monitoring this properly. Um, I'm going to, you know, risk it. And um, so it definitely feels like it's it's sort of drifted a little bit. Well, she's cunning, is Elaine, because great minds think alike. That was going to be my next question, Ian, which is oh. how compliant <laughs> uh, how compliant are people actually being now? And like Elaine says, has it dropped off slightly as we've moved further away from, from when it was brought into effect in May 18? Oh, I think it has. If you look at the fines, the ICO issues, the majority is still for getting your marketing wrong. You know, so people are still either taking chances or not bothering to, to look at the rules at all. So, yeah, I think I think businesses are, are basically working out that the ICO isn't really going to come for them unless they do something majorly wrong. Because uh, when you look at the ones that they've really gone for, they've done like a million automated calls without, without checking TPS, things like this. So, you know, lots of people have complained. There have been smaller ones as well, to be fair, um, and they've been put out of business, but not many because the ICO only has limited resource so I think once you realise that the, the, the wolf of the ICO isn't really your problem, then you crack on, don't you? But to me, that, that's very short term. Again, you might make a bit of hay now, but like I say, people are far more aware of the rights and far more able yeah. and ready to, to enforce them. And that to me is the big issue because once people say, well, hold on a second, prove to me where you got my data from. Uh, well, you can't, can you? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm fed up with this. I'm going to sue you because that's your right. If you infringe the regs, mm. then I automatically have given you a right to compensation. Automatically. So if I've got your data and haven't complied with GDPR, and that, that's a very specific area you have to comply with, you have to fairly and lawfully obtain it to do this marketing because marketing is separate from GDPR, then I've given you a claim of at least a thousand quid. So unless you're going to make more than a thousand quid out of me, are you really going to want to do that? And until people start to go for that, then I think the business will continue to try and get away with it. But I know from, ex from my conversations with people just in Liverpool that there's, well, there's one firm, uh, an American firm, parachuted 22 fee earners in the last year to do data privacy claims. There's a law firm in Liverpool not been doing data privacy claims for long, about a year. Uh, just um, a private equity investor is now putting £6 million into them to do these claims. They don't do that unless they know they're going to make their money back at least three, four times, five times over. So they've seen monies to be made out of breaches. And there's another law firm in Liverpool which has got £100 million insurance backing to bring these claims. So when people realise it's a bit like PPI, have you had these kinds of calls from people? Have you had these e-marketing messages? Not sure where they, they, they've got your data from. Come and talk to us. We'll get you some money. Then people will be finished. You know? So those who, again, continue to do it right will be in a good position and all these businesses are taken yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. And sorry, I'll, I'll come to you guys in a moment, but just to follow that on, Ian, um, what kind of things do the businesses need to be doing 
to avoid those sorts of penalties? It's just, okay, if you want to do marketing, it's, uh, there, there are two layers. You've got, obviously, your marketing itself, um, which is, if it's electronic, is covered by the PECA regulations, privacy and electronic, electronic communications. So they cover off those things. But regardless of the, the marketing you're doing, whether it's postal or, or electronic or phone or whatever, you still need to have regard to GDPR. You still need to have acquired that data lawfully. So if I've got someone's data, then whoever got it from, have I got it lawfully? Why, why was it given to the person I got it from to begin with? Because if they collected it to deliver... Can I, a, can I interrupt? A, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, could, could I interrupt? Could, could you define lawfully? Is, is the passing of a business card yeah. lawful? Well, if they give you the business card, what they're giving it to you for, so you can give them a ring and have a chat, or so you can stick them on a database yeah. and market to them, you know? Um, that's a distinction. So if, if, if I've got someone's data because I've delivered a garden shed to them, it doesn't mean I can now stick on my database and market anything I like to them or pass it on to someone to market their stuff to them. So it's just being aware that because I've used it for one purpose, unless I've also made it clear that I'll want to market them in the future, and then if, it's, you know, if you want to use electronic stuff, get consent, as you said before, get opted in consent because the rules around that are very indistinct when you look at them. You've got the soft opt-in, have you got consent? Get get opted in consent because if you look at the ICO guidance, it's very confusing. Even when you look at it, because on some occasions they've gone beyond what I think is actually the right interpretation of the law. They've gone for a gold standard which you can never achieve. Like if you're buying in a list, some of the things they require you to do are just impossible, literally impossible. So at that point, you have to make a decision, am I going to take a calculated risk here? Because that, in my views, like, like to, to put it in context, what it says is, if I bought a listing from someone, I have to be named in that list uh, and have specific opt-in consent from this third party to market to this individual. Well, that never happens. No. no. You know, so to achieve that is impossible. And I don't think that would actually stack up because that is just going too far. But who wants to take that risk? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But I think it's a, an unachievable, impossible aim. So I don't think that would stand if it was ever challenged. But the, the bottom line is, would I want to be getting marketing from this organisation who I've never heard of about a product I've never heard of from a source I've never heard of? You know, it's just this. To me, it's all about common sense and just be reasonable. Put yourself in that person's shoes and see how you might react because that's probably how they will react. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we're quite fortunate, Chris, if you know the tools that can be used, like, for example, MailChimp, which is, uh, I'll do a link in the show notes, is a great tool because these are big companies who obviously have put a lot of time and money into understanding these rules and therefore yeah. um, by building their platforms for people to use. And for those who aren't familiar with MailChimp, um, it's 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 a mail shot system, but it can be used and plugged into, say, your website. So it allows you to have subscription pop-ups on your website. It allows you to send out marketing emails. But the, the, the way in which you're inputting the information very much repeats and refocuses you on that GDPR element, doesn't it, Chris? It relies on your honesty, doesn't it? Um, that, that, yeah. you've, that you have done what, uh, what Ian was describing before, that you've, you've acquired the... 
the, the data lawfully. I'm not sure. Is that what you were driving at, Mark? Or were you? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, if you um, National Cybersecurity Centre, um, they've done a data privacy impact assessment on some of the big players, such as Mailchimp and Microsoft 365. And to be honest, my, uh, Mailchimp does not get a good write-up from the National Cybersecurity uh, Centre. Oh, really? Oh, well, maybe I won't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, no, you know, it's just be careful. <laughs> you know, who would know that? You know, I mean, the NSCS has done their own data privacy impact assessment on it. Uh, and it's quite interesting. And is that um, is that the, is that their security for holding the data that they might hold on your behalf? Yeah, it, it's data privacy impact. So it's all it's about more than just security; it's about privacy. Um, but yes, well, just have a look at it. Uh, it makes interesting reading. Again, it, once you've had a look at it, you might say, "Okay, well, I'm I'm prepared to take those risks because I can contain or control them. That's fine. I can remediate them." Uh, it doesn't say you can't use it at all. It says here are things you really need to think about and it, it's very helpful from that perspective because who else is going to have the the capability to review someone like microsoft office 365 or mailchimp yeah. very few organizations so it's very helpful but it's knowing those kinds of resources are there to have a look at which most people don't have a clue about you know which just helps businesses to go okay well i understand now and i can get around or deal with this risk by doing that thing over there so that's good so it doesn't mean don't use it at all it just means have a look and be careful and make sure you, you can protect your own business when you use it. Mark, can I just ask Ian a question? Because yeah. it's something that's been um, niggling me over the past, well, since lockdown, really, uh, or since it occurred yeah. to me during lockdown. Thousands and thousands of more people are working from home. Now, yeah. presumably, from a, from a data protection point of view, this is, uh, this is quite... This is quite dangerous Absolutely. for a lot of data. Um, yeah. What what are what are the rules surrounding that? Because there's there's presumably going to be an entire industry growing up on the back of that now. Absolutely, it's a very interesting point because obviously people can work from home because we are. Yes. Uh, what what GDPR requires here is that you put in place reasonable technical and organizational steps to protect data so technical is quite easy are you letting people use their own devices which could be as infected as anything because who knows what sites they've been on are you giving someone a clean piece of business tech to take home and work from that's one thing yeah. uh, the second thing is have you blocked up the usb ports either physically or electronically so people can't download anything they like while they're in the safety of their own home are they properly protected by full disk encryption or vpn for, for the transmission data to and from, you know, because all these leave you open. And if a laptop, you know, if you work on a laptop and you've downloaded, I don't know, if you're a payroll company saying you've got 2,000 people's personal data on there, the laptop gets nicked, well, you've just lost a whole load of data. And if it's encrypted, then you don't have to report it. But again, you know, something's gone. So it, there are huge risks here. And all the experts, as if you like, the security experts say this is going to be a massive rise in security incidents and reportable breaches because people are working from home and you can kind of understand that yeah wow i know yeah. i'm not doing much laughing today am i <laughs> <laughs> sorry see gdpr does this to you <laughs> uh no, it's very interesting very interesting what 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 sort of tips would we recommend that people do to 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 try and make themselves as secure as possible because I, I guess 
I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, and obviously Chris can edit it out if I am. Is um, it, is it a case of of when you're looking at your business and you do have data? It's very much a case of looking at how you're holding it, but also what steps you've taken. Because of course yeah. we're not Microsoft three six five. A lot of our listeners are probably small businesses. Um, and they don't have the budgets to to spend on the security protection that you might get from, say, an Office 365 uh, product. But by the same token, you've obviously still got a responsibility to keep that data safe. So to what extent yeah. do those sort of small businesses need to, to go in order to be able to say to the ICO, if in the event that some lunatic sitting at home in the basement somewhere in goodness knows where hacks into your system and 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 yeah. accesses the data uh, and the ICO come knocking and go what did you do what did you have in place and you go well I didn't have yeah. what Microsoft did but I do have x y and z yeah, yeah. case of um it's got to be reasonable in the context not just of the size of your business but in in relation to the data you've got so it's, it's interesting. It's like if you have like 10,000 names and addresses of people, well, what's the risk and harm to them? We can get that through the BT telephone directory. So it's not a lot. So you don't need to spend a lot to protect it. And when you notice the, if it's your business, you want to make sure it's protected. But if your business, and I had to have this conversation with a small charity who they looked after people with HIV. So they had about 750 people. Uh, on their books. Now, that kind of data is very sensitive. And if they lost it, even these days would still cause harm to those individuals. So I said, look, you're really going to have to put encryption on everything. You're going to have to VPN everything. And no one's going to have, can use their own devices. And, but that's going to cost us thousands. I said, well, yes. That's a decision you have to make. If you want to be in this area with this data, doing these things, you need to spend an appropriate amount of money to protect it. And if you're not prepared to do it, leave because you're exposing the people you want to help to un, 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 unacceptable risk. So why would you want to do that? So it's about context as well as about the data you've got, the harm it can do to the individual where it to be lost or corrupted. And you have to put it in, the, in those contexts. So it's, it's not, here's the rule. It's a case of you have to look at it. And if you didn't do anything with your data pre- May 18, Chris mentioned before about the opt-in yeah. emails, which we all got a plethora of just yeah. leading up to that deadline date. You, you got <laughs> inundated yeah. with, do you want to be part of my gang? And, and the fact that Chris yeah. got 2,500 opt-ins is actually quite impressive because I think yeah. certainly if you... That's what it's built up to now. It, it, it wasn't at the time. <laughs> well, uh, the, I think the fact that most people got so many of those sorts of emails. I, I know from my point of view, I was yeah. really bored of them by the time we got yeah. to yeah. it. And, yeah. and I only opted into things I genuinely was interested in and would have noticed yeah. detrimentally that they were no longer being received. So with those databases, you should have really thrown them away, shouldn't you? If, if you didn't 
I want to say throw them away. I don't mean lob them in the bin. That's obviously a GDPR <laughs> breach in itself. Not. Yes, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, you yeah. sh- you, Securely you, destroy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So you, you, you should have really got rid of them. If you're still using the pre-GDPR list without having gone for that opt-in option, you, you're walking a very fine line, aren't you? Very, yeah. It's all about have you lawfully got it? Uh, and that's the the area most businesses will not be able to stand up on. So, right. yeah, if you if you've got data you, that you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have it. Because of course, is that murky definition, isn't there, of legitimate interest, which gave people that that thin little uh, yeah. strand to cling on to <laughs> to 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 justify keeping those lists, and it it's a a very wishy washy definition to have to rely upon if if the proverbial hits the fan. It's well that that's the second stage of the analysis. The first one is did did you give someone a privacy notice? Because the first principle is have you gathered it fairly lawfully and transparently? So did you give people a privacy notice saying you're going to be doing all these things with it? So that's the first thing. Then have you got a lawful ground? That's what you just referred to that legitimate interest. So have I got a legitimate interest weighing up the balance of harm to the individual against me using it? And have I done that analysis properly? So. It's funny, most people forget the first bit about having given a privacy notice because that, that's the authoritative document. That's what gives you the right to do whatever it is you really want to do with the information provided. Obviously, it's got the lawful basis within it. Uh, so, yeah, it, most people forget about privacy notices and have got it completely and utterly wrong, I'm afraid. Even now, most privacy notices still are not compliant in the slightest. And you, with privacy notices, you're talking about things like on your website, perhaps coming with your your terms of business, as well as a separate document. Yeah, yeah, completely separate document. You can't embed them in your terms of business because again, that's not compliant. But what most people get wrong is that you 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 lay you have to commu- be able to communicate it as if you're talking to a child. So you have to be able to understand the main points of a privacy notice within like thirty seconds. Now, how many people actually do that? So the ICO has given us options on how to achieve that. One is, well, you can use symbols. People understand symbols, but there's no uniform set of symbols to communicate the uses of data yet. So forget that. Um, you can, I think there's a nice way to do it if your website simply uses analytics. It doesn't actually collect personal data per se. You don't have to enter it. It's not an e-commerce site or anything. So there's a nice little set of symbols for, for those things, but for everything else, not yet. So you have to do what's called a layered notice, which means you go from a really simple one to you know, your 40-page monster. Uh, and uh, the way data garden works, there are two in between, so you've got four layers. So when you first see the first layer, it's dead simple, but that's also where you embed your consents for marketing and contact preferences because they have to be separated out. And if you're collecting sensitive personal data in a special category, that has to be separated out with consents too. So you do those things in the first one, and then the others build up behind it. So if you want to drill down, then you can do. A lot of websites use a concertina so they have 10 headings, which makes it look really easy, but you click on one heading and 30 pages spills out, which you're never going to read or understand. So again, it fails to meet the first principle of fairly lawfully and transparently telling you what I'm going to be doing with your data. So again, all the data you collect off the back of that kind of notice is unlawfully collected. With 22 million UK users, LinkedIn offers a fabulous opportunity to find your ideal clients and to stay ahead of your competition. But what do these future clients currently find when they visit your profile? 
First impressions count. So, are you proud of your fantastic profile because it is client ready and written with them in mind? Or do you look at it and wonder how you could do better because you are not generating leads? My Marketing Guy works with those who want to take advantage of the amazing potential offered by LinkedIn. So, for more details, please email guy at mymarketingguy.co.uk to arrange an initial consultation. Remember, your next client is on LinkedIn. Wow. Elaine, you're looking you're looking petrified. And I know that I know that's the blood's drained from her face, wasn't <laughs> Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but but there I is need to go sit in the garden quick. <laughs> but there is help is at hand though, isn't it, Ian? It's not a lost cause at all. There are simple oh, no, solutions to lost. these problems. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a case of, as I found going out talking to, to a lot of businesses, most business owners don't know the rules. And why would they? They're not GDPR experts. So it's a case of, well, do you really need to bother? I'll just borrow someone else's posting notice and whack it on. It must be okay. Well, it isn't because that's not about your business. you know. And I've seen fines across Europe where businesses have been fined for doing that. Not because they borrowed someone else's, but because the notice they borrowed had holes in it as far as their business was concerned. And someone found that out and complained, and there's a fine or two. And next thing you know, your reputation is heading down the path. So it's a case of take steps to understand, because this is your business at the end of the day. You know, this, this is what you're spending 5, 10, 20 years on. So if you don't do these things, it does have a, a corporate value effect at the end of the day. I've, I've spoken to a few lawyers about this who, bless them, they're in the M&A world, the buy and sell businesses, they haven't got a clue about this because it depends on an accounting principle. So I spoke to accountants about the law and they had no idea because of the law. When you explain the law to the accountant and the accounting to the lawyer, they understand it and the colour drains from their face. It's quite funny to watch it. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's what happens because if, if I've got a 1,000 customers and I've unlawfully got their data, then basically I've got a thousand potential claims standing on my books worth at least a thousand quid each. So there's a million quid's worth of claims that could be brought tomorrow. So if I'm going to go sell my business and the lawyers wake up and go, well, actually, yeah, you didn't collect data lawfully, so all that data is unlawfully collected. So it's not just lying there. There's actually liabilities attached. So you know what? We're not going to give you two million quid for your business because we're going to have to pay out a million quid possibly here. So we'll give you a million so instead of driving off in your Ferrari, you're going to drive off on well on the bus, basically. So it's recognizing these things aren't here yet, but if you get on board now and get yourself sorted, you're protecting the value of business. And there's an interesting report from Capgemini, an international consultancy, who looked at GDPR. They, they, they only um, spoke to the top 1,400 businesses in the world kind of thing. But what came out from that analysis by them was that Becoming GDPR compliant made their staff more comfortable and happier in handling data. And what they saw in those businesses that did become GDPR compliant, they become more profitable, more competitive as a result. So it's quite interesting that compliance can actually make your business better. It's not just a drag of cost. It actually makes you better. And someone who we both know, Mark, has a very dark side to him, shall we say. <laughs> and uh, when we were discussing the effect of GDPR, I went, so basically I could destroy all my competition on the Wirral and become the only one of my business around. And I went, well, yeah, if you want to do that. He went, 
Ooh, leave it with me. So, <laughs> and it's funny, but I've spoken, it's funny, I've spoken to a few other people since then, and they have had the same thought. And I think, you know what? That's, that's coming if you're not careful. Yeah. Very much so. Now, uh, I, I tried to lead it on nicely, but I'm going to more bluntly say that the solution is easily <laughs> at hand. I told you he was far too, what's the word I'm looking for? Unabashed about the fantastic product that you offer. Ian, it, the Data Guardsman product, uh, the website link, which I will put in the show notes, yeah. is a fantastic solution to all of these problems. Do you want to explain oh, do you want to explain how it works so that people can understand what it does, how it does it, and therefore how it addresses yeah. all of those things that have made the colour drain out of everybody else's face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that, Mark. Yeah, it's um, a colleague and myself about eight years ago realised that most small businesses or medium-sized businesses couldn't afford to pay me the stupid money I was getting paid to advise international businesses, but they still needed to comply with this law. So we put everything we knew into this interactive little website. Um, so what we did was we thought, okay, well, let's not ask questions about regulation and law because no one's going to get that. So the way we devised it was we broke it into chunks so that it's easy to do at the end of the day when you've got half an hour spare. And the questions we ask are business-focused. So it's a case of, well, do you use computers in your business? Yeah, okay. Do you let people work from home? Yeah, okay. And just ask you really simple businessy kind of questions that anybody can answer. And behind that, it drives out all the law and regulation that you need and puts it into a policy that you can implement or a process you need to, to apply or a procedure you need to put in place or a document you need to fill in. So it makes it easy for businesses to do it. So it gives you a task list. So that was one of the key feedbacks we got. Don't bury everything inside the, the, the app itself because I can ignore that. Give me a task list I can print out so I can go through the tasks and tick them off as I go through or pin it to my wall or give it to my PA or whatever. There's something physical looking at me. So that's what we did. So you get your task list. Um, you get directed to policies. The policies appear where you need to. The resources you need are there. Uh, it gives you an explanation, if you want to, about the risk you just mitigated. And then it gives you very, very simple instructions to give to your staff. Not complicated at all. Not quite in the same league as Dominic Cummings, obviously, but, you know, very, very simple <laughs> three words, four words, five words saying, do this. You know, really simple stuff to, to get home. Because when you, when you drive, drive it down, it really is simple stuff. It's just taking the complexity away from it. So we, we do that. And it, it depends on the size of your business. So, you know, the smaller the business, the fewer modules. The bigger the business, only the bigger the modules and more complex they are. So it's tailored to the size of your business. But I think the, the nicest bit for me is the policy builder, which builds your privacy notice for you. So we'll do a range of notices across a, a range of activities, and you just pick the one you want, answer the questions, and again, very just straightforward business-focused questions, and it delivers to you the four layers of notices that you then need to implement either in your website, on your app, on your paper documentation, wherever it is you want to do it. So it's just quite useful. Uh, in quite a few ways. And uh, how much does it cost? Because people are wondering how much it, it, everything sounds too good to be true. And I, I know the answer to this, but I feel <laughs> you should unveil this because, again, it's it's more good news. Yeah. Uh, well, it's £100 a month, basically. Yeah. and, and, and That's £100 a month. And uh, is that what all, you get for that? Sorry. Is that over a period of time? 
it's as long as you're subscribing, you have access to the system um, because things are constantly changing. You know, they, they just are. They're always changing. There's always a new case or a new judgment or a new opinion somewhere that you have to implement or new guidance from the ICO. I mean, there are new regulations coming along in relation to the PRECA, the e-privacy regulation about what we can do in new marketing. They'll be coming through soon. So it's always something new to be putting in place. But what it also gives you is a quarter of a million pounds insurance cover against any ICO fine. So basically, if we've got it wrong, or the ICO comes along and says, right, we're going to fine you, well, first of all, we'll go into bat for you. So we'll hold on a second. Well, what, what's the problem here? And then if we're wrong, you get up to a quarter of a million pound cover. So for most businesses, that's going to be more than enough to cover off any ICO fine. The only time you're going to be fined more than that is you have, well, actually, you haven't done what the data guardsman system said. And we will know if you haven't, because it'd be evident that you haven't, because you haven't done what the system told you to do. But if you've done what the system said and we are wrong, we will cover your fine up to a quarter of a million. So it's a step-by-step guide that allows you to build bespoke privacy notices and policies that will make you compliant. Yeah. Easy as. That's it. Well, yeah, easy as. Yeah, it's funny. We had feedback from people who looked at it at the beginning with and went, oh, my God, it looks too complicated. So I said, okay, well, let's go through and have a look. Have you got a website? No. Well, click no to that one. That's done. Oh, okay. Do you deal with any children's data? No. Oh, click. Well, there you go. That one's done as well. Oh, okay. You get this now. And then it's really easy. You just go through it that way. Take out the ones that mean nothing to your business and then do the ones that do. And it's very soon done because I think the, the biggest one is to keep it safe module, as you can imagine. I think there are about 29 questions on that one. I think the shortest one has four, you know, but most of them are around 10, less than 10. So there's not a lot to really do. It's up to how much you want to make your business safe, really. Fab, have you got any questions, guys? Well, they're talking to me. Matt, well, yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah. Actually, I need to say something to you. Has anybody ever told you you sound like Jeff Green, the comedian? <laughs> your no. voice is just like his voice. Well, I think you might change, you need to change the topic, yeah, if you want to get to laughs, but, <laughs> but and you do, honestly, your voice is just like it. I know. But apart All right, I'll listen to that. You do do that. I, I do have a question. Is um, So these these lists that, um, oh, he's gone. <laughs> no, someone's trying to phone me. Carry on. Oh, uh, okay. The lists, you know, uh, we talk about lists that people buy. So who actually, I mean, it, so you're saying, obviously, that people can still buy lists. It's not something I've ever yeah. done, so, yeah, you can. So how how are people on that list? What do you mean, how, how have they got on their that name list? On how have they got their name on that list? So I'm buying a list, which I'm allowed yeah. to buy. The yeah. people on it, obviously, from what they're saying, are aware they're on a list. So how have they well, got on the list? Is it to do with surveys and things, and they've done something, and they've said, are you would you like to get notifications from is it that route is it well that's what you have to do due diligence on um mm. if you go along and buy a list from someone um then you're relying on how good they are at doing their due diligence on getting the marketing data in themselves obviously some yeah. big players spend a lot of time and money and effort making sure that what they get in is right Others don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was speaking to one bloke uh, six months ago. He said, I've just been offered two million uh, phone numbers and names mm-hmm. and addresses. Shall I buy it? And I went, <laughs> two million, how much? He went, 10 grand. I went, what do you think? <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. You know, Ooh. and you think, oh, come on. But even when you go to the biggest, the ISO guidance still says you have to check yourself. You have to take a sample and go, right, yeah. show me how you can prove consent for my business to do that marketing. The, mm. the onus is on you. Uh, you know, so because at the end of the day, this business is selling you the data. They could disappear tomorrow, you know, but your, yeah. your business is the one that's going to get honed in on by the ICO yeah. and, and the, the, the people receiving it. So it's in your own interest to do, be able to show due diligence and go, well, here's a question I asked. They showed me these things. They showed me the producer knows. They showed me where it's from. They showed me, showed me, showed me. So, yeah. you know, after this, this of a thousand, I asked them 50 and they showed me 50 and I was satisfied with that. Mm. You know, but what the ICO has said is you can't, get it in, then not look at it. You can't turn a blind eye because some people no. have tried to do the blind eye thing and gone, mm. oh, well, we, we asked questions. Well, you didn't really, did you? You know, so <laughs> it's a case of, again, protecting your business, your business, you know. So mm. I'm buying this data in. How much can they show me that this is legal and I can do this? Because if they can't show it to you, don't buy it. No. I do have another little question, if that's all right. Yeah, is, so just for clarification, because if I'm a small business owner listening to this now and I'm thinking, oh, well, people give me business cards. So if you were to go home with that business card and you were to e yeah. email that person personally on their business yeah. card and have a communication, then that's absolutely fine. That's yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, but you, what you can't do, obviously, then is add them to one of your lists in MailChimp or whatever. So that, that's my understanding that's it. of it, yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were to speak and say, look, I'd like to put you on the marketing database. Are you happy if I, I do that and I'll market you with these things? And the person says, yeah. Yeah. Fine. Send them an email confirming that because then you've got proof. It's all about proof. If you've got proof, proof that they yeah. said that's fine, then you can go, well, that's okay. You know, you've got the proof then. But don't forget, obviously, they can take consent away anytime they like. But at least if you've got it, then your back's covered. They, yeah. they can't turn around and say, well, you, I mean, here's an email from 14th of February and you said it was okay. Yeah, no, you know? that's good. Yeah, okay, very interesting. Thank you. Pe people, are still, okay. <clears throat> people are still doing that. I still find oh, yeah. visitors at networking events will take my business card and then I'll get an email trying to sell me something that, quite mm. frankly, yeah. was never going to go for me. I mean, if they'd have spent five minutes with me in the room, they'd have known that there was a zero chance of me ever wanting to buy that service yeah. or product, <laughs> and yeah. yet you still get the emails, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and they've wasted their time. Well, they have. Interesting point there, actually. So so when you look at the world of like messaging people or communicating them in the LinkedIn arena, how, how does that yeah. work? Does that work? Oh, that's that in the terms and conditions that that's what you're allowing to happen. Oh, I see. Yeah. Phew. Yeah, Chris. Exactly. Yeah, I thought there must be. There's an awful lot of people doing it if you, if you can't. Yeah. And we all know what we're doing when we go in there, so I don't think anyone can turn around and go, well, I'm all distressed now because you've been putting stuff up there, which is marketing. No, I don't think so. It's why, um, it's why mobile apps are quite good as well if you want to direct target people. Quite often, people will have a downloaded your app because they're interested, and B will have a consented to receiving notifications by having the notifications switched on in the first place. So you, you mm. you've almost got that 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 captive audience, haven't you? Unless he's yeah, going to yeah. tell me something yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Me nerves are shot. <laughs> Just about to close one of your businesses, are you? That's my questions. Thank you. Fab, Chris, have you got any? No more, no, thank you. That's been uh, been pretty okay. comprehensive. Fab, if not a little scary. I'll wrap it up then. Uh, well, I, I think I think we've all just had. Uh, I, I, well, I warned you at the outset that this was going to be an interesting <laughs> ride. As I said, people do tend to glaze over when you just start the sentence GDPR, but actually, when you do <laughs> when you do boil it down, it, the, there's some some interesting realities, and as you say, there's there's some there's some there's plenty of things to be scared of if you're not doing it properly, but there are loads of opportunities if you do do it properly. And yeah, um, having exactly. per- having personally had use of the uh, data guardsman system, I can I can definitely vouch for the 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 system and the quality of the system. It's 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 a perfect solution for certainly for small businesses to get the essentials in place very quickly and very easily so do check it out yeah. ian if people do want to get hold of you because either they want to chat they want some more information maybe they need your services because somebody's come knocking on their door how would they how <laughs> yeah. would they how would they get Too hold late. of you <laughs> <laughs> uh, well um if they come through you, you can direct them to me that's fine or they can do uh, there's a form on the website where they can just fill in and someone will get back in touch and what's the website address just for those guys who who, who can't be bothered reading the show notes? <laughs> it's www.dataguardsman.co.uk. Fantastic. Well, I, I think on behalf of everyone, thank you very much for coming and joining us today. It's, it's been fascinating and really useful. Good. If you want to check out all the other shows that we've got, you can go to the podstation.co.uk, find the Goldfish page. They're all on there. Um, on each and every page, you'll find links to all the platforms where you can also find the show. So we're on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. You can subscribe, and then every time the latest show is uploaded, it will automatically download onto your device, so you can listen to it anytime, anywhere, any place, which is fantastic. There is a whole host of other shows. Uh, we cover a topic each episode, so there's loads to be getting your teeth into. And obviously, there's plenty more still to come. So uh, if you have a topic, I should say as well, if you do have a topic that uh, you'd like to suggest we cover, then you can send an email to gofish at thepodstation.co.uk. We also, you will have heard at the outset of this show, uh, the competition that was still running, uh, which have extended till the end of June, haven't we? Um, for people to win a prize by uh, liking our Facebook page and giving us a review on Apple. So do it. Tell us you love us because we need that social reassurance. <laughs> we're all we're all very vulnerable, particularly after that episode. So do us a favour. <laughs> Make us feel slightly loved. Um, so without further ado, thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for yeah. joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks very much. See you now. Bye. See you Get social at go underscore fish marketing on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.